Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining us on Two Middle-Aged Men in Their Top Ten. I'm Scott. And I'm John. If you would like to check out our social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all with the same handle, at 2MAMTOP10. That's at the number 2MAMTOPTEN. If you'd like to subscribe slash follow our show, you can find us on Anchor and Spotify the easiest. We are also on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and most other places where you find podcasts. Please follow, rate, and review, and let us know what types of lists you'd like to hear us talk about in the future. Full disclosure, our current to-do list is over 250 items long, but that doesn't mean they're all good ideas. So feel free to share with us what's your favorite genre of movie. What's your favorite year in movies? Who's your favorite actor or actress? We'd love to hear from you. And there's nothing we won't talk about that's movie related. And now let's get on with this week's show. And this week we are doing top 10 biopics. And today we're doing our top five, uh, five through one. All right. All right. Well, mine is definitely not of that uh, <laughs> emotional caliber, um, but uh but still a damn good movie, I think. It's uh, Man on the Moon uh, from 1999 uh, with an IMDb rating of 7.4, uh, 64% tomato meter, and 79% audience score. Uh, it was directed by Milos Forman, uh, screenplay by Scott Alexander and Larry Karzuski. Um, stars Jim Carrey, Danny DeVito, Courtney Love, and Paul Giamatti. And this is a biopic based on the life of Andy Kaufman, an eccentric comedian who went on to enjoy a career as lovable foreign car mechanic Latka Gravis on TV's Taxi, and later gained infamy as an intergender gender wrestling champ. Uh, the film studies some of Kaufman's comedy antics, as well as his personal life and his relationship with his manager, George Shapiro, his best friend slash partner, Bob Zamuda, and his girlfriend, Lynn Mar Margiles. Um, and uh, his, his manager is, is uh, played by Danny DeVito, um, and his best friend, Bob Zamuda, is played by Paul Giamatti, and his girlfriend is played by uh, Courtney Love. Um, so um, this movie's on my list for a couple of different reasons, uh, mostly the character and the actor. Um, I think Andy Kaufman is a fascinating <laughs> person. Um, I obviously before this movie didn't really know I you know I grew up after this obviously um, you know so like growing up the only thing I really knew uh, only knew of Andy Kaufman as was from Taxi and that's only because of my dad um, and, or seeing reruns on Nick at Night um, later on so I, I really wasn't familiar with Andy Kaufman much at all um, and really in name only um, in a lot of instances um but uh so yeah so a lot of this i came in pretty cold on on this movie um and and then on top of that you know jim carrey i did grow up you know watch you know jim carrey through the 90s there and became a fan of his and really enjoyed him and seeing him in this movie is just a completely different i mean he becomes Andy Kaufman, um, I mean, to the point of frustration for a lot of people. I mean, he was Andy Kaufman, not just on screen, but like offset. And uh, there's actually a documentary on Netflix. Mm -hmm. 
I can't remember the name of it. Uh, I think, oh yeah, Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, uh, which is a really good uh, documentary. Have you seen the documentary? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it's, 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 it's an interesting, um, interesting watch to see the length and get to, you know, you hear people from Andy's family who, you know, were like, it's like, it was like being around Andy, um, but, uh, <clears throat> But yeah, um, and again, I, you know, a lot of the events in this movie don't play out exactly, um, you know, the way they really happened. And I don't think really after watching the movie, you get a greater understanding of who Andy Kaufman was before going in. Um, you know, obviously I learned stuff just because I, you know, didn't, wasn't familiar with any of this, you know, but it doesn't really show anything that you couldn't, you know, if, if you, you know, had seen this you know, in the seventies, if you were alive during then, you pretty much kind of know everything the movie tells you. Um, <clears throat> but like I said, it's really the, the performance, um, and, and the relationship, like I really enjoyed, um, you know, the, uh, Andy and, and, um, the Danny DeVito characters, um, you know, and it's interesting seeing cause Danny DeVito was on taxi, um, with the real Andy Kaufman. And so seeing him playing, um, Andy Kaufman's manager, um, and again, sort of, uh, you know, father figure um, is interesting. And Courtney Love really does a good job, um, you know, as as his girlfriend. Um, I was really impressed with her uh, performance. And of course, like I said, Paul Giamatti, I've already mentioned, I mean, he's great in everything he does. So, um, so yeah, the acting is is great. So, um, and yeah, the director, Milo Schwarman, um, he directed other about he did Amadeus and um, his previous film before this was uh, the people versus Larry Flint, uh, which also had uh, Courtney Love, which was another uh, interesting kind of biopic. But um, but yeah, have you seen this? This is my number five. Oh, <laughs> we both had it at number five. That's interesting. Yes, uh, I have one thing here that um, before the film even came to be, Jim Carrey bought Andy Kaufman's congas Mm. at uh, a sale, a state sale or something. And in fact, he used them during his audition for the film. And then use them in the film also. Yeah. So that that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, my dad's quite a bit older than I am. So I knew of Andy Kaufman a little bit. Um I remember seeing um, the stuff with like uh, I don't remember why I would have seen it but I remember seeing him on Letterman you know during his wrestling heyday yeah with um Jerry Lawler Jerry Lawler getting slapped around and throwing coffee and stuff so yeah. he his whole his whole life was an act 
Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. See, I didn't know any of that stuff um, going in. Like I literally, I only knew, I knew he'd been on Saturday Night Live. I knew some of that. I'd never seen, I'd never seen the uh, Mighty Mouse stuff until later um, yeah. when, you know, when it was available on DVD and stuff. But, um, but I was familiar. I knew that that, I knew that that happened. Um, and, and like I said, in Taxi um, was really the only, only stuff I knew. Um, and so, yeah, everything else was, I had no idea about the wrestling. I didn't even know he did that until I saw the movie. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, and he got he got voted off of Saturday Night Live, mm -hmm. like with a call in. Like if you yeah. want him to stay, call this number. If you want him to go, yeah, yeah. He... And I've sensed because you can on Peacock, <laughs> on Peacock, you can actually go back and watch. Like they're edited, and you know they they don't have all of the segments, but. Um, yeah, so I've since watched, uh, you know, some of those. And yeah, they, they literally on air um, had a thing where you could call in and um, whatever. And by the end of the show, uh, they, you know, reported the, the you know, the statistics. And yeah, that he was he was voted off. I think I think it was a close margin, but I don't remember. Um, I don't remember exactly, but yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. We're talking about like people complaining about you know things not being accurate. That Scott Alexander and Larry uh, Krozuski, who wrote this, um, actually said uh, that they put at the beginning of the opening credit sequence mentioning that certain facts were changed and some events were in a different order uh, was written, you know, because it you know to be on the uh, you know to be listed on the, at the beginning of the movie for that purpose so that people would understand even more detail, not just based on true story, but they went to the lengths of writing that, you know, that they're in different orders and some things were changed um, for dramatic effect. And they still got many letters from people saying that, oh, that's not how it happened. And that's not whatever. <laughs> they're like, yeah, we, we literally told you at the beginning of the movie that, <laughs> that this isn't how everything exactly happened. So. <clears throat> Anyways, but yeah, that's that's really all I got. I mean, most of the factoids I've got just are, are reiterations of what I've already said about Jim Carrey's performance and how he, you know, to the, the lengths that he went to. Um, you know, I guess he he even he himself kind of started a fight with Jerry Lawler in order to reenact and um, <clears throat> whatnot. Um, but the only other thing that I thought uh, um, is noting is that there were, there were other actors that were being considered for the role. Um, Edward Norton, Nicolas Cage, Johnny Depp, uh, John Cusack, um, and uh, well, I mean, they all good actors and I, I just I can't imagine anybody but Jim Carrey playing that role. I mean, especially after having seen <coughs> Carrey play the role, but I mean, even just... <clears throat> I mean, I just can't picture Edward Norton. Really, I can't. I just can't picture any of those people, and and believe that you know, believably, be uh, Andy Kaufman. But <clears throat> all right, yeah, that's that's all I got on on that one. So. Hmm. Now it's your task to place your number five, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had I had one 
as my first backup, but I was putting in the movies from last night and shifting things around, and then I I had a movie on my list, and I was doing research, you know, during lunch today, and the tagline was a fictionalized account, blah, 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 and I read that, and I went, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not, that. that's my next one, but I'm not going to use it. I'm going to use this one. Awakenings. Oh, yes. Can you tell me what the other one was, or do you want to wait till later to tell me? Or I'll tell you later. I okay. Don't, I don't know if you'll have it or not. That's why. Oh, I... oh, okay, okay, gotcha. <laughs> okay. Um. So yeah, Awakenings. Awakenings, seven point eight on IMDb, came out in nineteen ninety. Has a eighty nine percent on the tomato meter with an eighty nine percent audience score. Um, directed by Penny Marshall, based on a book by Oliver Sacks, with screenplay by Stephen Zellian. Uh, the film stars Robert De Niro, Robert De Niro, Robin Williams, Julie Kavner, Ruth Nelson, John Hurd, uh, Penelope Ann Miller, Alice Drummond. Judith Molina, Barton Heyman, uh, George Martin, and Ann Mara. <clears throat> uh, the victims of a encephalitis epidemic many years ago have been catatonic ever since, but now a new drug offers the prospect of reviving them. So this is one of the first uh, like serious roles I can remember watching uh, Robin Williams in. Mm -hmm. Later on, I would watch like The World According to Garp and stuff like that. But this is the first one I remember seeing. And it's, I mean... So he, he's a doctor, right? He plays Dr. Malcolm Sager. And there's this group of people at the hospital that have that are catatonic. So they um, all day they sit in their chairs or in their wheelchairs and they <laughs> They don't move. They don't do anything. And he um, one day notices that they have like reflexes. I think he throws a ball Mm -hmm. and someone catches it and he sets them up in a circle and they're actually like throwing the ball to each other. And he tries this, this drug that is a new and he tries it on Leonard first. Leonard Lowe, who is played by Robert De Niro. And 
slowly he starts coming out of being catatonic and he um you know is able to to get up and move around and eventually he can you know get his feet wet in the harbor and and it's really a it, it makes me think it makes me think of Tropic Thunder when uh, um, Robert um, Downey Robert Downey Jr. is talking about you don't go full retard you you <laughs> go so. This yeah. makes me think of that because I mean to see to see Robert De Niro like this is just amazing for me. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he's out, you know, dancing on the rock out in the middle of the river and it's just so cool. Yeah. Uh, and then and then he's he's able to I think he's able to see his mom again and What do you think? Oh, I love this movie. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, it's great in, in so many ways. It's just a perfect movie. Um, I love the story, the characters. Uh, yeah, the actors, you mentioned Robert De Niro. Um, yeah, I mean, this is one of his better better performances, not saying a lot for Robert De Niro, but yeah, it's definitely a totally different Robert De Niro, um, you know, like you said um and also robin williams um because i too i mean this came out around the same time as dead poet society uh, which is kind of a serious uh, movie too but yeah this is definitely even more so than that um so yeah it's really the first one of the first ones i saw too that where he was serious and you know not being funny at all um you know for the most part and uh and yeah so if we, yeah both actors it's just like oh my you know just great uh you know performances unexpected um and then yeah of course there's the relationship between the two um you know that forms um you know yeah it's just it's just a great movie like yeah and you know that it's based on a true story of course just you know in a movie like this just just adds to the already you know powerful experience um and again i don't know what to what extent you know uh what's been changed and what's um whatever and it, it doesn't really matter um <clears throat> but uh but yeah i actually had this on a backup for i believe it was our list of based on a tr based on true events i think i had this um as like a number 11 or 12 um and so that's why it's it, it wasn't on this list even as a backup because i kind of you know used it for that list and I'd already kind of made both lists at the same time. So when I, you know, when after we did that list, I didn't go back and incorporate into this one. But, but yeah, this is, that's probably out of, out of all the ones we've discussed so far, my list and yours. I think this, this is probably my favorite movie. Um, it's just, it's so good. Like I've seen it quite a few times and just always gets me like every time. Yeah. And it's all, it, it, it used to be on TV quite a bit too. Mm hmm.
yeah, it's damn good movie. Like I said, it's 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 a perfect movie to me. Like everything about it is just great. <clears throat> yeah, it says it's one of Robin Williams's favorite films of his own. Oh, I I I believe it. Yeah, and it was directed by Penny Marshall, who is more known for you know more comedic stuff as well. Uh, it's a kind of a change of pace. She did uh, like Jumpin' Jack Flash and uh, Big, and then after this, she did League of Their Own. <clears throat> um but yeah so she's more you know known for comedy as well and so yeah everybody involved it's <clears throat> kind of going against going against type <clears throat> yeah that's a yep. wow that's, yeah, that's a good one i'm <clears throat> it's gonna be hard to top that one and i don't know that i'm gonna do that with my number four but i'm gonna move on nonetheless so uh my number four is basquiat from 1996 uh, with an imdb rating of 6.9 uh, with a 68 percent tomato meter and a 77 percent audience score i uh, was directed by julian schnabel uh screenplay by schnabel uh, based on stories by lek majewski and john bow uh, stars jeffrey wright Michael Wincott, Benicio del Toro, Claire Ferlani, David Bowie, Dennis Hopper, Gary Oldman, Christopher Walken, Willem Dafoe, Parker Posey, Paul Bartel, Courtney Love, and Tatum O'Neill. Oh my God. Yeah. The Brief Life of Jean Michael Basquiat, a world renowned New York street artist struggling with fame, drugs, and his identity. Starting out as a street artist living in Tompkins Square Park in a cardboard box, Basquiat becomes a star and a part of Andy Warhol's art world circle. But success has a price, and Basquiat pays with friendships, love, and eventually his life. Um, so this movie is, it's, it's hard to describe, because um, I mean, it really is just a portrait of this guy. Jeffrey Wright, this is, I think was his first movie, or at least the movie that kind of launched him um and it's he gives an amazing performance. like i wouldn't even recognize jeffrey wright um if i didn't know it was him um he looks completely different uh i mean obviously he's a lot younger but he just he just he embodies this character so well it's 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 amazing performance um as do all the people in it um but uh and this is really the only movie i've seen and not that i've seen a lot of movies about artists but that really just incorporates or that really captures the spirit of art. Um, and just, you really, uh, it's not just watching somebody paint, um, but you really feel the passion and joy and sadness and just all the emotions behind, um, you know, painting or, you know, being an artist. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, the movie was directed by and written by um, Julian Schnabel, and he is himself a painter. He was actually a friend of Basquiat. The character that Gary Oldman plays um, is actually the director. It's actually, uh, he, it's, it's a, you know, um, yeah, it's, he's basically playing, Gary Oldman is basically playing the, you know, Julian Schnabel, um, who was one of uh, Basquiat's close friends um and 
Yeah, and then David Bowie plays um, Andy Warhol, which is just great. Um, it's a you know it's a great performance to behold. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's just a really good movie. Um, and like I said, especially uh, it just does a perfect job of capturing both the character and the you know this world and um, just art itself. It's it's a fascinating movie. Have you seen this? Yeah, I, I didn't figure it's, it's... <laughs> What's interesting is it doesn't even give... There's no options for where you can find it to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, I, I own it. So I actually, we watched this uh, recently, but... Probably in the library, so I'll check it there. Yeah, yeah, you should definitely try to find it because it's uh, it's it's a good one. Like I said, it's it it was a surprise to me. I, I I watched this for the first time not too long ago. I mean, it's probably well, I guess it's probably been about ten years now, um, but still significantly later after you know after it came out, um, because uh, it wasn't high on my radar either. Uh, I just came across it, I I for whatever reason and uh it's completely caught me off guard because it's not usually the tech movie you know like i don't generally um i wouldn't say i don't like them but i mean um just movies about artists or you know so like that isn't something that i've been initially excited about or you know would wouldn't just grab my attention but yeah there's always a chance of it being um uh too full of itself yeah yeah exactly too serious too yeah and this movie is very much not that it's yeah it's it's i mean and especially considering i mean it is a tragic story but the movie doesn't feel tragic at all it feels very alive and very just like i said it's it's nothing like i expected it to be and it's it's visually it's it's a beautiful film like it's you know it's just it's i don't know i i yeah i highly uh, yeah and like i said i know it's a hard movie to find it's not a you know one that most people have probably even heard of let alone seen it's another one of those but what's the um the music like in it uh well i mean it's it's like a lot, a lot of what you would expect it's uh, of the time um you know, there's uh, the soundtrack. Uh, is, that, that's probably one of the problems, and it, it, maybe they it's hard to get it re whatever possibly, music or something. Possibly, possibly. But speaking of which, though, there's a there's a Tom Waits song in it that I, I love. Tom Waits, he's one of my favorite um, musicians, and uh, the movie ends with one of his songs that is just a perfect note to end the the movie on um and yeah and the, the music in it is, is really well chosen it's not i mean it's not like pop hits of the time it's you know um you know i'm not gonna say it's obscure artist but it's more you know in keeping with the the movie itself um it wasn't um chocolate covered jesus was it uh no um although that's a good one um 
actually, yeah, it wasn't. I don't know what it was actually. That probably would have been too on the nose. Yeah, that probably wouldn't have been good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, let me see what it was here. Just a second. Yeah, there's a lot of like Miles Davis and Charlie Parker and so that mm. stuff in it too. That's really good. Uh, Who are you this time? Is what it's called. Him and Nick Cave, they're both mm. right up there. Yeah. Yeah, and I would I would add Leonard Cohen to that list too. Those <clears throat> I like a lot of those. Uh, singer songwriters with a with that unique gravelly you know world weary like just just you know have lived life kind of voices to them that just you know <clears throat> anyway but yeah so yeah if you can find it um you should you should definitely check it out yep All right. My number four is connected to my number eight, which was Pawn Sacrifice. My number four is Searching for Bobby Fisher. 7.4 on IMDb came out 1993, a tomato meter of 100%. Audience score of 86%, uh, directed by Steven Zellian, based on a book by Fred uh, Waitzkin, with screenplay by Steven Zellian. Film stars Max Pomerank, Joe Montaigne, Ben Kingsley, Joan Allen, Lawrence Fishburne, Michael Nirenberg, William H. Macy, and Laura Lenny. Uh, this one is available to rent on Prime Video. Josh Waitzkin is, is just a typical American boy interested in baseball when one day he challenges his father at chess and wins. Showing unusual... Uh, Never seen that word in my life. Precocity. Showing unusual precocity at the outdoor matches at Washington Square in New York City, he quickly makes friends with a hustler named Vinny who teaches him speed chess. Josh's parents hire a renowned chess coach, Bruce, who teaches Josh the usefulness of measured planning. Along the way, Josh becomes tired of Bruce's system and chess in general and purposefully throws a match, leaving the prospects of winning a national championship in serious jeopardy. So, yeah, this is a... And the, the parallels are he's 
um, somewhat of a chess prodigy, probably not as much as Bobby Fischer. Um, but as you know, as the film goes along and he's playing and learning and and winning and losing and and going through you know the troubles and all of that, he's struggling. Um, with trying not to turn into the sort of person Bobby Fisher turned into. He wants to be, he doesn't want to be rude. He doesn't want to be a jerk. He doesn't want to be crass or cutthroat. You know, he, he wants to be a little boy for the most part. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of shows at the you know, the end match where he offers a draw knowing that he's just figured out that he's, he, he's going to win and the kid doesn't take it and he beats him anyway. But Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's also interesting, like the, I have seen this, it is, it is a really good movie. Um, I also like because the, the parents too don't really know how to deal with him, you know. Um, and so I thought that you know that's an interesting aspect um, to the story that you know I don't know adds an extra layer of you know whatever. Um. <clears throat> yeah, and I mean in real life, Josh gets to like the level of grandmaster when he turns like 16 which is something actual prodigies do by 12 or 14 mm-hmm. so he actually stepped away and went into martial arts he's like a ninth degree jiu-jitsu black belt and he has world championships in martial arts now yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, to yeah. go, I mean, those are differing, very different hobbies. Yeah. From one another. Yeah. But in the sense that they do both kind of take an inner or, you know, um, I don't know, like, I don't know, like an inner, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because I know, like, you know, a lot of, at least the teachings of, of, martial arts some of that is you know as a inner awareness and stuff that i'm sure uh kind of helps with both chess and martial arts but yeah that is that is an interesting choice to step away from chess and do martial arts but uh but yeah i know my favorite my favorite scenes in the movie are, are between him and lawrence fishburne i enjoy that yeah. i enjoy those scenes quite a bit <clears throat> There's a, there's a few of those scenes where when they're at the the outdoor chess place, the real life people that they're playing are in the background playing chess with each other. Yeah. So they have cameos. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, and Joe Mantegna is another one of those actors that 
like he does he doesn't really star in a lot of movies um but he's in a lot of movies and when i see him i'm always excited or when i know he's in it uh i get excited like i i you know i really enjoy him as an actor quite a bit <clears throat> he's not you know he doesn't necessarily have a lot of range, but he's just he's just a, a really good actor. <clears throat> and he's the voice of uh, uh, Tony on uh, on on Simpsons, um, Fat Tony or whatever. Isn't that his yeah. name? <clears throat> the gangster character on The Simpsons. <clears throat> and Bobby Bobby Fisher uh, was. Uh, he denounced the movie, claiming that it was part of a Jewish conspiracy to sully his name and make money off of him at the same time. And he's very anti-Semitic, which is weird because he himself is Jewish. Yeah. But he won't admit that. And yeah. and some of the things I could have talked about before is his, his mother's Jewish and he He's never met his father. And in fact, um, his mother may not even know who his father is. Hmm. But upon research, you know, she listed someone on the birth certificate, which could be, but more than likely, it's this other guy who is also Jewish. So he could be <laughs> like full Jewish. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting, but yeah, yeah. The more I mean, I didn't know all of that, but yeah, the, anything that I read about Bobby Fisher, I, it doesn't seem like he's that you know good of a guy. But well, it, it yeah, and he all he had to do was go see a doctor, and he probably would have turned out just fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of that is probably mental illness. Yeah. But yeah. In the seventies, that's not really something you're allowed to bring up or talk about. Yeah. Or, you know, or really, yeah, probably even really known much about. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, good point. But yeah, that's a good movie though. <clears throat> I I did I didn't even think of that. I I for you know, I didn't yeah I didn't even think of it being based it, on your story. Well, I confused myself. I added it. I took it off of my backups when I put Pawn Sacrifice, and I freaked myself out because I'm like, I, I, it was all my backup, and then I went to look at it and I'm like, is this really real or not and then i and then yeah the character the boy the character of the boy was real so i'm like okay it's gotta be at least close enough yeah well yeah and the, and the dad wrote the book like uh-huh yeah so yeah so yeah it's a true story i mean like again i don't know how much is true and whatever but that's the case of all of these movies so yeah the the ending um match uh they changed the kid's name for one for two in the movie he's older and in real life he was younger and they asked him like what do you think of your 
you know, quote unquote depiction. He's like, well, it's not me, so I really don't care. I mean, that's not me. That's not how the match went. Yeah. So it don't. I don't have an opinion of, of it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably the best answer you can. Yeah, give. that's what I was just gonna say. Yeah. So it's probably the best. Instead way to look of. They didn't show a real chess move, so this move yeah. is trash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, moving on. My number three. Yeah, my number three is The Social Network uh, from 2010 uh, with an IMDb rating of 7.7, the 96% tomato meter, and an 86% audience score. Uh, directed by David Fincher, uh, screenplay by Aaron Sorkin, <laughs> based on the book The Accidental Billionaires by Ben Mesnich, and stars Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, Justin Timberlake, Army Hammer, Rooney Mara, and Joseph Mazzello. Um, on a fall night in 2003, Harvard undergrad and computer programming genius Mark Zuckerberg sits down at his computer and heatedly begins working on a new idea. In a fury of blogging and programming, what begins in his dorm room soon becomes a global social network and a revolution in communication. A mere six years and 500 million friends later, Mark Zuckerberg is the youngest billionaire in history. But for this entrepreneur, success leads to both personal and legal complications. So yeah, the movie is uh, basically chronicles the creation of Facebook, of course, um, and it uh, is told through sort of through flashback um, during the uh, litigations um, that are brought against him by. Uh, both uh, rivals at from his college that believe they that he stole their ideas, um, as well as another uh, lawsuit by his friend and co-founder of um, of Facebook. Um, and um, and yeah, so we see um, him in college. Um, what starts is basically kind of a prank. Um, to get over a breakup um, leads him to um, this idea of, you know, this inclusivity, inclusivity of um, sharing things with friends over the internet. Um, and yeah, we see how um, he sort he sort of gets the idea from the, um, uh, Wonder Voss, what are they? What are the last names? The, the twins. Um, Winklevoss. Winklevoss. Yeah, the Winklevoss. It kind of it kind of sparks the idea, um, but uh, but not really. You know, he doesn't really take anything from them. Um, and then um, he's funded by his friend, um, played by uh, Andrew Garfield. Uh, remember his name either uh but anyways um and then uh together they um they kind of build what facebook becomes um with uh his friend mostly uh 
providing the finances um, and um, yeah, I mean, there's pretty much nothing else to say, um, but um, Jesse Eisenberg is, is fantastic um, as Mark Zuckerberg. Um, he, the movie really, you know, him and, and, the, and the script really do a good job of really encapsulating this character um, who, while we never really sympathize with, um, we or we never really care about. We, I mean, we do kind of sympathize with, I guess. Um, we do kind of, uh, you know, at least understand him a little better. Um, he's, I mean, he's not really a sympathetic character, but, um, you know, kind of like Steve Jobs. Um, he's, he's basically an asshole, but, um, I don't know. You kind of, <clears throat> Like I said, I, th I think more so than Steve Jobs, though, there's there's somewhat of a, uh, I don't know what the right word is, because it's not sympathy, but um, an understanding, I guess, of of the character. Um, well, at least at least he's uh, a millennial, you know, Steve Jobs is like a boomer, so <laughs> or maybe older Gen X. So. I mean. My opinion on Mark Zuckerberg when this movie came out is far different than what it is right now. Well, right, so, <laughs> right, yeah. And I think Jesse Eisenberg may have played different too had this movie come out a little later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and when I say Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> I, I, when I say Mark Zuckerberg, I'm talking about the Mark Zuckerberg in this movie more, you know, because I don't right. know, obviously, the Mark Zuckerberg, the real Mark Zuckerberg, and obviously... He's a really weird guy. And the more, you know, obviously since this movie comes out, came out. Yeah. I mean, we've learned a lot more and, you know, but just based on this movie um, there, you know, you definitely, he definitely comes off more human than he comes off in, in real life. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just a fascinating, fascinating story. Um, it's just, <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's weird because it really doesn't. Um, there really isn't much to it um, as far as like how Facebook is comes about. Um, but the the relationship with these characters, and then also Justin Timberlake plays the creator of Napster, and uh, it, I, I love him in this movie. He's he's great and. Um, <clears throat> You know, I don't know. Uh, I love, I love his flinch. I love, oh, <laughs> yes, yes. You know, and Andrew Garfield. Yeah, which really, actually, Andrew Garfield is really probably the emotional center of the movie. Um, uh, you know, um, he's really the character that I guess the audience really is able to connect with and really gets you into the, into the story. But, um. But yeah, it's really just a fascinating character, uh, fascinating characters, and um, yeah, I don't know. Like I watched this again recently, and I still got involved with the whole story on you know, at least as depicted in the movie on how everything came together and how you know, um, you know how it grew from this little thing in the dorm room to this big 
you know, thing that everybody with a phone now uses, you know, every day, you know, it's just multiple times a day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some people live their lives almost entirely through Facebook. So, but yeah, it's, and, and just, and really just, this is, this is one that really the film itself is just, it's almost better than the story, um, than the real story. You know, it, um, it, like David Fincher is one of my favorite directors. And of course I've mentioned, you know, ad nauseum how much I love Aaron Sorkin, but um, yeah, just the writing and the direction in this movie uh, are, are great. Um, and uh, the, like, I guess the script actually was like 250 pages, which is generally as a rule, like each page, is is a minute of screen time and so uh the studio really wanted them to cut a lot because they didn't want to make a you know three and a half hour movie uh, or three hour movie or whatever and uh yeah because i think it was like 180 pages or something like that but either way but like david david fincher was like i i don't want to cut any of this and so he chose to have his character speak faster and so they literally didn't cut anything out of the movie but that's why a lot of the dialogue is like, you know, especially um, Mark Zuckerberg's um, dialogue is very fast paced. Um, although, I mean, it doesn't really feel that way. I mean, I don't think that I noticed that the first time um, after reading that I can definitely notice it now, but it, it fits the character because he, he feels like that very, you know, um, just antsy kind of guy who would who would speak super fast and is, is in love with what he you know his own voice so um but yeah this, is, this movie is included in the 1001 movies you must see before you die um and uh david fincher actually forbade the principal actors from meeting their real life counterparts until filming was completed um because he didn't he didn't want you know for whatever reason that to you know influence their depictions i'm i guess probably especially i guess with jesse eisenberg i'm sure he didn't want him um you know altering his performance by meeting the real mark zuckerberg but i guess it works mm -hmm. it worked so i don't know what are you what are your it yeah it's a really good movie. Yeah, I, it pops up on Netflix almost every time I open Netflix. <laughs> I have a couple of things about some of the actors, and a couple of the guys who aren't the main actors, but Joseph Mazzalo plays Dustin Maskovitz. He he was in Bohemian Rhapsody, and I saw a picture of him in this movie today and I didn't um and my first thought was um I didn't think it was him I thought it was uh let me see forgot the guy's name may look up his TV show, The League. 
Um, Mark Duplass. I thought it was one of the Duplasses. Yeah. But um, every time I see him, I'm like, that's the kid from Jurassic Park. I was just going to say, yeah. Yeah. And that's really awesome. He's still, and he's doing good too. Yeah. Like yeah. him, him as. Uh, the bass player in Bohemian Rhapsody, he was great. And then, yeah. <clears throat> and then, um, uh, Max Minghella plays uh, Divya Narendra, who is a. He's um, his parents are Indian immigrants, and I remember reading that when he finally met Divya. He played a joke on him and spoke in an Indian accent, and it horrified him. Like, what? Are you serious? He's like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he was born in like New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this um, the uh, the. Um, Andrew Garfield diatribe, the pretentious flip-flop wearing that that thing he says when he finds out he's been basically cut off. Yeah. Cut out. Yeah. That's on TikTok as a sound. Pretty <laughs> it's all over the place right now. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, there's so many great, like yeah, this is probably one of my favorite Aaron Sorkin um scripts just because there's so many there's so many great just lines or uh monologues i mean that opening the opening scene um on, when he's on the date or whatever is just that's that that in and of itself is a is a like that could be a short film like a, a just a brilliant little yeah piece of its own and <clears throat> i i really like that and i like the 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 scene during the um like the the lawyer one of the lawyer scenes where they're like will you please give us your attention oh yeah. <laughs> and he yes, goes yes, off he's like yeah and he's like you've got exactly the amount of the amount of attention yeah 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 see that's on yeah there's so many of those little things and like I, I even like the the it's it's not as a grandiose of a scene but when when uh, Justin Timberlake's character is first introduced um and he's got that girl in the room and they're talking and it goes on for a few minutes before and she's like uh yeah something about no so-and-so created Napster. he's like yeah i'm you know i'm so-and-so you know like um yeah that's just a perfect little introduction to the character that i thought was cool so yeah it was i take it was this on your backup no it wasn't it I oh. I might have deleted it. It, it I deleted it three or four today because I had more than ten gotcha. <laughs> on the backup. Yeah. And this was kind of a I'm like, well, this one is really good, but it you know it takes place over you know a not very long time span so 
I'll save it for later. I'll save it for something else. Yeah. Type of yeah. Idea. No. Yeah. No. I actually, I, I had the same thought because originally this was going to be on my based on a true story, and then it got bumped because of the, you know, I, I had other ones mm-hmm. that I was like, and it got bumped up, and I was like, oh, I'll put it on a different one, and then, um, yeah. So it just ended up on this almost by default. Um, and yeah, like I said, mm-hmm. it's just a good movie. I wanted it to be on a list, and so it, you know. It it kind I was able to justify it because I do feel like it, even though it's it's a smaller scope and it's really more about the creation of Facebook than it is about Mark Zuckerberg. It's probably the best you're the best you're gonna get to know. You know what I mean? Like it does do a good job of giving us any, a character the best that any movie could. You know, so yeah, I do feel like it's still an actual an, an actual biopic of Mark Zuckerberg would not be a good film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so I feel like you still get to know the character, you know, as much as you you could get to know the character, and the character we get to know might not even be anything like the real Zuckerberg. But so yeah, but yeah, I get what you're saying. It it's not your standard uh, typical biopic or what you would initially think of. But anyway, made my list anyway. all right my number three is the aviator a 7.5 on imdb came out in 2004 tomato meter of 86 percent audience score of 79 percent Directed by Martin Scorsese, written by John Logan. Uh, the film stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Blanchett, Kate Beckinsale, John C. Riley, uh, Alec Baldwin, Alan Alda, Ian Holm, Danny Houston, Gwen Stefani, Jude Law, Adam Scott, Brent Spiner, and Willem Dafoe was nominated for 11 awards at the 77th Academy Awards, winning five of them, including Best Supporting Actress for Kate Blanchett, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Costume Design, and Best Film Editing. This is available on HBO Max. And... Biopic of billionaire Howard Hughes, starting with his early filmmaking years as owner of RKO Pictures, but mostly focusing on his role in designing and promoting new aircraft. Hughes was a risk taker, spending several fortunes on designing experimental aircraft and eventually founding TWA as a rival to Pan Am Airlines owned by his great rival, Juan Trippi. Oh, and Trippy's Politico Senator Ralph Owen Brewster accuses Hughes of being a war profiteer. It's Hughes, it's Hughes who gains the upper hand. Hughes also had many women in his life, including a long relationship with Catherine Hepburn. From an early age, however, Hughes was also germaphobic and would have severe bouts of mental illness. Yeah. Um, 
My favorite thing about this film is Kate Blanchett as Catherine Hepburn. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't know what else to say. I mean, if you don't know this film, there might be something wrong with you. Yeah, no, it's a yeah, it's of course Martin Scorsese, another Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio matchup. I think it was their second film that they did together after Gangs of New York, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I, another thing I like it, I like Alan Alda in this movie because you don't really get to see him play a nasty mm-hmm. guy very often, and he he does he plays pretty nasty in this movie. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. I mean, this is this is one of those biopics that's very epic in scope, and uh, you know, really shows the life of the of the man. Because um, of course, I mean, I knew I knew who Ed, Howard Hughes was, and I knew you know a lot of the, yeah. the tagline, you know, the the airplane, the movies, the you know, like the small, you know, the basic facts of his life but I didn't really know much about him, you know, I in the germaphobe, you know, like all the headline making stuff, but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I didn't, I don't, I didn't know that he dated Catherine Hepburn and uh, little details like that. And, you know, of course I didn't know all the, you know, all the stuff that, you know, went into the airplane stuff, of course. And, you know, so yeah, it's just, <clears throat> the movie does a great job of filling in all the details on all these things that you know you may know already know about you know howard hughes or think you know um <clears throat> yeah this was actually this was actually originally my number four this is the movie that i took off my list to put dolomite on when i said that i i switched my list around um this is originally my number this would have been my my first backup um you know, after taking it off my list, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I pretty much took oh. off. Being... What? I, yeah, when I forgot about this, but um, Leonardo DiCaprio got so into character and the OCD tendencies that he he like went through a brain scan type thing Mm -hmm. and it showed like I think he did it at two different points in time and while he was in in the Hughes mind frame it showed the same brain scan of someone who actually has OCD Hmm. like he got that yeah And he spent time with with a guy who has OCD to get a feel for what it's like. Yeah, well, he does a good job portraying it. That's for sure. But yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting how that how that works, but you can essentially alter your <laughs> that's crazy 
but yeah, I, I, I took this off my list because I had it. It was the, the, it was the one after when looking at my list, it was the one I thought you might have. So I, I, mm. I'm glad I was right that, yeah. So, but yeah, it's, I, I really don't have much else to add. It's a, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a really good movie. Um, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is always, <laughs> always great. Yeah, I mean, he's he's another one of those actors that like almost everything he does is is amazing. Like he's definitely one of my favorite actors. The only Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio film that is rated PG thirteen. Yeah, and one of yeah one of Martin Scorsese's only PG thirteen movies. Or not, not already movies. He's only got like two or three. <clears throat> yeah, this was also the first Martin Scorsese movie to gross over a hundred million in the U.S. I think every I think every Leonardo DiCaprio movie he made uh, subsequently made more because then The Departed and then uh, Wolf of Wall Street, of course. <clears throat> But yeah, yeah, this is this is one of those that just immediately comes to my mind when I think of biopics, like <clears throat> definitely a great movie. It's included amongst the thousand movies you must see before you die. So got another it. One. Yeah, <laughs> another one you can knock off of that. But yeah, and I guess Michael Mann um, was originally gonna direct the movie. Uh, but having directed back-to-back -back biopics, The Insider and Ali, uh, he decided that, you know, he didn't want to do any more um, real-life stuff and handed it to Martin Scorsese and uh, went on to make Miami Vice instead, oh. <laughs> for better or for worse. But Well, I, I think I said that while DiCaprio was accepting his Golden Globe Award, he said something about Michael Mann having a hand in the script hmm. or having yeah. had helped on the script in some way. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, my number two is um, another epic um, biopic and uh, it is Malcolm X uh, from 1992. Uh, with an IMDb rating of 7.7, .7, uh, with an 89% tomato meter and a 91% audience score. Uh, it's directed by Spike Lee with a screenplay by Spike Lee and Arnold Pearl, uh, based on the autobiography of Malcolm X by Malcolm X and Alex Haley. Uh, stars Denzel Washington, Angela Bassett, Delroy Lindo, Spike Lee, Albert Hall, Al Freeman Jr., Teresa Randall, and Kate Vernon. Uh, bi the biographical epic of Malcolm X, the legendary African-American leader, born Malcolm Little, his father, a Garveyite Baptist minister, was killed by the Ku Klux Klan. Malcolm became a gangster and while in jail discovered the Nation of Islam writings of Elijah Muhammad. He preaches the teachings when let out of jail, but later on goes on a pilgrimage to the city of Me Mecca 
There he converts to the original Islamic religion and becomes a Sunni Muslim and changes his name to El Haj Malik Al Shabazz. And he is assassinated on February 21st, 1965, and dies a Muslim martyr. Uh, so yeah, uh, it. Uh, I mean, this movie uh, is like three and a half hours long. Uh, it really gives the real uh, the scope of the of a whole life, um, and it's a fascinating life. I mean, he. I mean, it's almost one of those stranger than fiction stories. Uh, he's you know, I mean, he's a hoodlum um poor street hoodlum um who you know goes to jail and there um he's kind of confronted by an older felon who you know basically is like you know you have no respect for yourself like what are you doing um you know and then he goes on to uh uh you know uh learn the teachings of of islam and that kind of sets him on a more straight narrow path and he really commits to that um you know like i said going actually going to mecca and you know um and then you see that change from that to this the figure you know that we know of um who was a you know outward speaker for you know human rights and you know black rights and the such and <clears throat> Yeah, this is another one of those two, though, that uh, I mean, the casting, I mean, Denzel Washington is just amazing um, as Malcolm X in this movie. He he not only looks the part and 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 whatever, but I mean, the, the change of the character, you really, you know, you see that in the performance and, you know, not just looks, but just the way that Denzel Washington carries himself in the movie changes from, you know, each part of uh, Malcolm X's life. Um, and yeah, I mean, this was a huge passion project for Spike Lee. He put up a lot of his, you know, uh, salary for the movie just to get it made. Um, so did Denzel Washington. They both, you know, um, put a lot of their personal finances in, um, to, um, you know, um, you know, cause he wanted to do it right. And obviously, you know, it was an expensive movie to make and the studios weren't, that confident in in it um and so he did get help from you know the many of other african-american celebrity uh like oprah winfrey michael jordan and bill cosby um and then once uh he had enough of the film uh made he you know gave a rough cut to warner brothers and once they saw that they you know they kicked in more funds and helped him to finish it but um and uh yeah denzel washington was nominated for uh best actor uh academy award for this movie um yeah uh, have you seen this no add it to the list i feel bad too i know i'm yeah, it's 164. I know about Malcolm X. You know, yeah. So, yeah.
yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good movie. It's definitely worth um, worth watching. <clears throat> and it's on HBO Max. It is. It is. So, yeah, I mean, I knew who Malcolm X was when, you know, uh, before I saw this, but <clears throat> I didn't know, you know, much else about him. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Uh, yeah, I mean it. It's uh, I mean it's an it's an important movie, you know, about you know a certain part of history. But just aside from that, even like I said, just the the performance by Denzel Washington and just the the arc of this this character is is enough to make it a, a great movie. Um, you know, the the historical significance and all that is just. You know, it's almost just icing on the cake um, for the movie anyway. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's super important. I don't want to undercut the, you know, the importance of what he did and all that. But I'm just saying as far as a, a movie, um, it really is just a fascinating story. So, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. All right. All right. So since that was your number two, right? Yeah. All right. The movie I was talking about earlier that I took off. You're not you're not gonna bring it up now. So no. Um Dragon to the Bruce Lee story. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was that was a backup of mine. <clears throat> But I read, you know, the the little short synopsis of it is actually a fictional tale of da da da. And I'm like, yeah. How did I not see that? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's close enough. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it still would have fit. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's one of those that's very very loosely based um, on you know. There were a lot of liberties taken with uh, with that story, but I think I mean I think it gets a lot of the um, important details correct. It's just you know mm-hmm. a, a lot of the details and stuff are a lot of it's completely made up. But anyways, all right. So what's your number two? My number two is Lion. Uh, 8.0 on IMDb came out in 2016. Tomato meter of 84% uh, with an audience score of 91%. Directed by Garth Davis. Adapted from book by Saru Burley. With screenplay by Luke Davies. Film stars Dev Patel, Nicole Kidman, Rooney Mara, Sonny Pawar, Ab Sheik Baharite, Priyanka Bose, and David Winham. Uh, Wally served as an inspiration for the director when he created the first half of the film, which is very little dialogue. Um, this movie is available on IMDb TV.
That is very long. <laughs> a five-year-old Indian boy is adopted by an Australian couple after getting lost hundreds of kilometers from home. 25 years later, he sets out to find his lost family. So basically, this little boy and his older brother uh, go into town. I think they're... I haven't watched this too awful recently, but it seems like they're running something for somebody or yeah. trying to get something. And uh, the older boy gets in trouble. Um, ends up, I believe he ends up dying on the train or something. And and the, and the little boy falls asleep on the train and the train takes off and takes him way far away from his home and he ends up in an orphanage and then adopted by uh, Nicole Kidman's character and um, David Winham's character And then, you know, many years later, he's uh, dating this girl named Lucy. And she encourages him to, you know, maybe look into it a little bit. And he has these flashbacks of these, the name of his town or something, you know, and he ends up using Google Maps. To trace the train back to where he's from. And he travels there and he meets his part of his family and finds out that his brother had passed that day. And in fact, um, Google worked with the filmmakers and provided um, time appropriate views of what google maps looked at look like at that point in time oh, so cool. it could be more accurate yeah what are your thoughts i honestly i i saw this when it first came out i don't really remember a lot about it um i basically what you said i i you know i i remember the story um <clears throat> but uh and as you were explaining to me some some more kind of came back but yeah i remember it being a really good movie and a fascinating story um but yeah that's really all I, I, yeah like i said i don't remember much about it yeah oh like after slumdog millionaire um dev patel had a hard time because like um the life of pi i think the mm -hmm. movie with the kid on the mm -hmm. thing yeah like he wasn't he wasn't allowed to audition for that because they thought it would be too obvious mm. to have him and that almost happened to this film yeah which is kind of sad like, yeah but um it's really sad 
I can a lot of their I mean some of the critics I mean it's got well it's got very good numbers but some of the critics were kind of down on like the slow pacing of the second half because it was shot and shown mostly in order so the first half of the movie is you know the little boy lost trying to get back home yeah and there's almost no dialogue and he's just walking around and and someone mentioned that they he um compared him to charlie chaplin and how he was able to act you know in the silent movies with physicality and yeah uh, yeah Yeah, like I said, I remember it being a really good movie. I mean, I remember, because I remember sitting down and not really knowing that much about it. Um, and, you know, I watched, me, me and Brandy sat down and watched it together. And uh, I just remember us both just really enjoying it and thinking it was a really, really good movie. It, I don't I don't know if I understand the, the name of it. <laughs> I think it was supposed to. I think they're originally going to name it after the book that it's based on that he wrote. Yeah, I think that I I th- thought there was like a uh... yeah I don't I don't remember because the the name of the book is a long way home. Yeah, which that makes. <laughs> I think there was a connection with something. Uh, yeah, I really don't remember. <clears throat> this thing, uh, when I always look up um, um, accolades, mm-hmm. and I usually only list like Academy Awards. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, Golden Globes. But this one, there's you know, awards, uh, Australian awards, and it, uh, it it swept whatever those were. Let me see. Where is it? There it is. I opened it up, and it was all green. You know, on Wikipedia, yeah. green yeah. is one. Yeah. The AACTA, the Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts Awards, and somehow it was entered twice in the same year for the sixth annual and the seventh annual in the the seventh annual one two three four five six seven eight nine, ten, nine, ten. it won 12 of 12. <laughs> Best film, best direction, best screenplay, actor, supporting actor, supporting actress, cinematography, editing, music, sound, production design, costume design. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. I knew it was nominated for some sort of Academy Award because that's what drew me to it to originally watch it in the first place. because usually when they when they list the nominees for Oscars, I usually try to watch as many of them as possible. And 
so that was you know why i sat down to watch this one was for that i i didn't know anything about it beforehand i don't even know if i'd heard of it um beforehand um But yeah, it was one of those ones that I didn't know what to expect and it, it completely blew me away. I thought it was a great, <clears throat> fascinating story. I may just have to sit down and watch it again since it's been, been a while. <clears throat> All right, well, I guess I will uh, go on to my number one. Uh, which is Ed Wood from 1994 with an IMDb rating of 7.8, 92% tomato meter, and 88% audience score. Uh, it was directed by Tim Burton, uh, screenplay by Scott Alexander and Larry Karzuski, uh, based on a book, Nightmare of Ecstasy by Rudolph Gray. And it stars Johnny Depp, Sarah Jessica Parker, Martin Landau, Patricia Arquette, Bill Murray, Jeffrey Jones, Max Casella, and Brent Hinckley. Uh, because of his eccentric habits and bafflingly strange films, director Edward D. Wood Jr. is a Hollywood outcast. Nevertheless, with the help of the formerly famous Bella Lugosi and a devoted cast and crew of show business misfits who believe in Ed's off-kilter vision, the filmmaker is able to bring his oversized dreams to cinematic life. Despite a lack of critical or commercial success, Ed and his friends managed to create an oddly endearing series of extremely low-budget films. So, um, yeah, um, Johnny Depp plays Ed Wood, um, and uh, yeah, uh, he's a he's a man who who loves what he does uh, more than his talent uh, can fulfill um but uh yeah i mean his plan nine from outer space is considered like the worst movie ever made um which i mean it's pretty bad i've actually i actually hadn't watched any edward movies um until we did this list and i actually i went and watched uh two of his movies plan nine from outer space and um what is it? Mont something monster. Uh, it's the one that they're filming in the movie. Um, can't even remember the name of it, but um, <clears throat> Attack of the Monster or something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean they're they're pretty bad. Um, <clears throat> is that is that why you added cult classics to the to the list of list? Probably, it? yeah, probably. <laughs> Although those will not be on my list. Uh, I assure you. Um, but what's interesting though, watching the movies, I mean, they're they're bad movies, but at the same time, they're they're surprisingly they're not as bad as I would have expected them to be. Um, I mean, in Plan Nine from Outer Space, I mean, you can see the strings, and you can see, you know, you can see the obviously sets, and so I mean, um, but. To be honest with you, the acting in them isn't half bad. I mean, it's not, again, it's not good, but uh, it's definitely not the worst acting I've seen. And, and it's, I've seen some bad acting in actual, you know, <laughs> big budget, you know, Hollywood 
productions and you know uh, i'm you know so i mean this but uh but yeah i mean they're, they're they are bad movies but uh there there is some somewhat of a of a fun quality to plan nine from outer space um it's one of those that's almost so bad it is good um the other one that i want like bride of the monster or so, something like that it's it's not it it was pretty it was pretty bad um but uh but yeah you can definitely sense that the guy loves to make movies uh you know he, he just he just does, happens to not be very good at it um but there definitely is a joy filmmaking and that's what this movie really gets across um you know this is a man who just just uh almost to a fault um you know uh just <clears throat> You know, just loves just loves the idea of making movies almost more than you know he he does um, you know making movies because I mean there's not really a lot of uh, thought or talent, um, but but Pat you know the passion is definitely there, um, and like I said, whether it's filmmaking or or just anything, you know that the movie is really just about you know following your dream and just you know whatever. <laughs> um and uh it's a great performance uh from johnny depp uh one of his best i think um and uh johnny depp said that his characterization of edward d wood jr was a mixture of the blind optimism of ronald reagan the enthusiasm of the tin man from the wizard of oz and casey Kasem. so yeah, and the writers Scott Alexander and Larry Karzuski, they also, you know, as I mentioned, they did uh, Man on Man on the Moon um, and Dolomite that were on my list, and they've also they also did the the People versus Larry Flint and Big Eyes, um, which was another Tim Burton movie about um, that female artist that drew those girls with the big eyes. I don't remember her name, but she was played by Amy Adams in the movie. Anyway, so they're they kind of specialize in this kind of movie that they've they've written other movies that aren't biopics, but they're like like they wrote Problem Child, and yeah, you know, like they're really good at writing biopics, not so much at anything else, but uh, but yeah, and this is uh, director Tim Burton's favorite of all of his films that he's made. So that's all I've got. Have you seen this? Well, long time ago. I don't oh, think I, sorry, go ahead. I don't remember much of it. I should probably watch it again. Yeah, it's a good one. That's it. It was it, and it's actually filmed in black and white too to kind of, you know. Oh. You know capture that you know the spirit of ed wood you know his movies are black and white and whatever so it... have you seen um the disaster artist yes have we talked about that i don't think so this uh, reminds me of that yeah yes it's 
actually pretty much the exact same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. There was, I mean, there was more, I think more drama and ego um, involved in that movie um, than this. This, this is more of a, a, I don't know what the word is. Um, this is more of a, of a love letter, you know, to Edward, you know, it's like, it's, it, you know, it's uh, shows him, yeah, at least Edward in this movie, you know, is more of a happy go lucky, just passionate kind of guy. I think uh, the Tommy Zizzo is a little, little more, um, I don't know, <laughs> a little more wild and crazy. And it looks like this movie rejuvenated Johnny Depp's affection for acting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he was doing some romantic movies and, uh, <clears throat> And yeah, he was kind of yeah losing, losing passion in 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 making movies, um, for whatever reason. And yeah, which surprisingly, he he also like I guess I guess he was pretty depressed um, um, making this movie too because he had just broken up with. Uh, went on a rider so he was going through a lot of that too um i think he kind of channeled that into the into the performance hmm. although he's definitely not like depressed uh you know i mean he's very jolly and happy in the movie but i think he just you know for what however, however used that as a emotional <clears throat> Whenever throughout the film, so yeah. I mean, I love movies, so I, I I've obviously enjoy you know seeing a movie about you know movies, and that's really you know like I said, the movie really is kind of a love letter. It's you know like the the guy may have made bad movies, but um you know like to him they were masterpieces. Like he you know he loved what he was doing and he had people who you know and he gave you know the people that worked on his movies are are people who you know didn't really you know have anything going for them and you know he gave them you know something to to be you know have pride in and um you know kind of a purpose um you know like bella lugosi you know bella lugosi was like at the end of his career washed up you know nobody was hiring him and you know he was addicted to um morphine or whatever and you know and you know ed wood kind of gave him his last little you know hurrah or whatever you know kind <clears> of <throat> revived his you know <clears throat> his spirit a little bit <clears throat> All right, what do you got? Go ahead and move on to your number one. All right. My number one is The Fighter. 7.8 on IMDb. Tomato meter of 91%. Audience score of 89%. Directed by David O. Russell. Written by Scott Silver. 
Paul Tamasi and Eric Johnson. Uh, they also had help from Keith Dorrington in developing the story. Film stars Mark Wahlberg, Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Melissa Leo, Mickey O'Keefe as himself, uh, Jack McGee, Sugar Ray Leonard as himself, and all of the usual HBO Fight Night announcers as themselves. Um, Christian Bale and Melissa Leo both won Best Supporting Actor and Best Supporting Actress at the Academy Awards, along with several other acting awards for each of them. Uh, this movie is available on AMC+. Plus. Uh, the Fighter is a drama about boxer Irish Mickey Ward, uh, his unlikely road to the world light heavy welterweight title, his Rocky-like rise was shepherded by half-brother Dickie, a boxer-turned-trainer on the verge of being KO'd by drugs and crime. Yeah, so uh, Mark Wahl Wahlberg plays Mickey Ward, who's the main boxer in the movie, and Christian Bale plays Dickie. Eklund, who is his half-brother. Um, Dickie Eklund is actually in a HBO um, documentary about uh, heroin or drugs or, you know, of the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it shows Mickey Ward's, you know, down and out trials to get to the main fight. Uh, Melissa Leo is unrecognizable, pretty much, as well as Christian Bale. Yeah. Um, he does his usual... Losing a hundred pounds, yeah, transformation, and in fact, um, the these these characters were a lot of times on set, or the the people the characters were based on a lot of times were on set, and sometimes they would look over at Christian Bale, who was you know getting ready to film, and from behind. They couldn't tell the difference between him and Dickie. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? No, yeah, it's a good movie. Um, I, uh, I think every, I think they all do a good job. I mean, obviously, this Melissa Leo and and Christian Bale um, are the showier uh, performances, and yeah, I mean, they're both great, deserve their their awards but i think uh mark Wahlberg and amy adams are really deliver great performances as well um you know unless showy showy rose roles but um yeah amy adams especially i mean she she gives a pretty heartfelt emotional performance as mark Wahlberg's girlfriend and um 
Yeah, that's really good. I, I actually have this on on another list. Um, so that's I so that's why it's not on on mine. Um, or, you know, it, you know, it wasn't uh, considered for mine, but um, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's basically a real life Rocky story and. Uh, yeah, and especially the, the Christian Slater characters, especially and the performance and everything about that, it really is. I mean, it is a, one of those like. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, feel good kind of you know it's kind of a you know one of those uh stranger than fiction uplifting kind of kind of stories um i guess it's like ra riches to rags to riches again sort of um yeah so there, i mean there's a lot going on in the movie there, there's a you know there's a lot of um yeah just interesting aspects are fascinating aspects um to it you know the yeah <clears throat> yeah and i think it 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 was probably easiest for Wahlberg since he's you know he's from boston right yeah well he's also he's also i mean he's not, he also boxes like and yeah yeah, he trained for like five years. Yeah, be yeah. between the starting the film and finally getting it. Yeah, back. yeah. This was a passion project project his that he's been trying to make for years. Yeah. In fact, he tried to get Martin Scorsese to direct it too. Yeah. But yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, Amy Adams. Yeah, like you said, she was great. I, you know, it's it's always like I can see Mark Wahlberg talking like this and boxing like that isn't unbelievable. Yeah, not that he didn't do a great job, but the other three. Yeah. Like Amy Adams took the role because it went against what she usually portrays. Yeah. And that yeah, paid off. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of her best performances, if if not her best. Um <clears throat> yeah, it's that's that's a really good one. Yeah, this is another one of those that I I've seen it a couple of times, but it's been a while. I, I'll probably return to it sometime soon to watch it again, especially after discussing it. Yeah, that's, a, that's another good one. All right, you want to go? Let me see. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> you want to go down your list? Yeah. Number one, The Fighter. Number two, Lion. 
Number three, The Aviator. Number four, Searching for Bobby Fischer. Number five, Man on the Moon. Number six, Men of Honor. Number seven, The Butler. Number eight, Pawn Sacrifice. Number nine, Eight Seconds. Number 10, Edward. And number 11, Awakenings. All right. My number one, Ed Wood. Number two, Malcolm X. Number three, The Social Network. Number four, Basquiat. Number five, Man on the Moon. Number six, Steve Jobs. Number seven, Dolomite is my name. Number eight, Serpico. Number nine, Private Parts. And number 10, You Don't Know Jack. Thank you for joining us on Two Middle-Aged Men and Their Top 10, uh, where we discussed our five through one picks for top 10 biopics. We will see you next time.